This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Howdy. Hey, and our pal, Heather Mosier. Hello. Hey, and this is <laughs> now many weeks out from the Kickstarter, so I can't even talk about it anymore. Um, if you are watching on YouTube... You can become a channel member right now and access longer episodes of the show. You can also get access to Beyond the Trail, the the uh, the Bigfoot Project, and soon Sasquatch Unearthed, The Ridge. Whoa! Uh, a new series that we are in the process of shooting that is going to be probably the most in depth look at the Chestnut Ridge. That anyone other than Stan Gordon himself, <laughs> probably Dr. Paul Johnson, have ever uh, done. Ever attempted. Ever attempted. Even thought of. Even considered or pondered. Yeah. Hey, Seth, if somebody wanted to become a channel member, mm-hmm. what, what would they actually do in uh, order to procure this? Give us your life. Um, no, you go to hit I, because I've been asked. You go because not everyone's like. So this is this savvy. is the problem with YouTube. It's not there. It's not anyone's fault. It's genuinely like it's YouTube's fault. It's a, it's it's way too complicated. Um, I mean, it's not comp. You cannot join on a mobile device. So that's your first problem. If you're trying to join on a mobile device, you're not going to be able to do it. So you got to go on a desktop or like your iPad if you can get over to the to the actual desktop version of YouTube. And then you go on our channel and then you'll see a join tab on there and you click join and that's how you become a member. You choose your tier, go with the lowest tier. I mean, unless you're like a millionaire who wants to <laughs> subscribe at the, the top tier modern is cool. Tom slick. Yeah. If you're a modern Tom, slick, <laughs> we do have leaders um, who've joined at the top level and that's awesome. But, but we've kind of had to abandon the middle tier we actually are down to just three tiers it's this it's the tier that's like second from the 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 bottom that is being neglected and it's just because we couldn't keep up with it so if you're if you're a channel member i already i strongly recommend if you're on that second tier i think it's like 10 bucks a month go down to the seven dollar one because you're not getting what you're paying for at this point and we can't just delete it while people are members of it unfortunately Mm -hmm. um yeah, go on there and join join the channel. You get 4K ad-free versions of all those shows, and there you get them early, too. So you mm-hmm. get them, like, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's more. Yeah. Monsteropolis has been early, too. Monsteropolis, Monsteropolis is also early. Today. The new Monsteropolis is up as Whoa. we're recording this nice. right now. So a <laughs> lot of perks. And it's up right too. now. Andy just posted it. Squadcast is another thing we do. We just did a Squadcast episode. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We just did a Squadcast episode that had um, Alexander Petikov and myself and Adam Dugan talking about various big footy things mostly. And that was fun. But um, yeah, we'll probably, I know this episode, because this episode is about the Chestnut Ridge, I'll probably drop some hints about Sasquatch Unearthed throughout this mm. episode because we were in the process of shooting it and it's a it's way more intensive for some reason i thought this was going to be like a kind of an easy thing and then like <laughs> once i started looking at it i was like i mean we're literally trying to make an eight plus hour probably more like nine hour eight episode series out of this and it it's a lot of work heather mostly <laughs> uh, 
but we we already have spent uh, many hours on the project, and uh, but I do think I'm extremely excited for for what this is going to be and where it's going to lead because Sasquatch Unearthed as a series on the whole is going to go forward past the ridge. So whoa, yeah, that's the first hint. That's the first hint. You just, <laughs> I just dropped it without even warning you. Guys. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Mark the ridge yes. and the ridge and UFOs. Okay, talk about it. Well, I mean, there's great history there. My main objective in this episode is to bring actual cases to light. Me too. That you uh, may or may not have heard of, but the one thing that I wanted in each of them was like weirder than weird, which Mm -hmm. is one of the ridge features, I think, of UFO sightings is it's sometimes you have a saucer-shaped craft or something like lights in the forest but most of the time when there is a sighting having to do with a ridge regional location, there's some extra, extra stuff that just is beyond the pale. One of my favorites is this story that we just heard last week um, from, who was it, Sean? No, it wasn't Sean. It might have been Stan himself, actually. But about the ridge opening up. Have you heard about this? No. The ridge opening up and a UFO flying into the ridge. Oh, come on. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's the only one, it's the only such case that yeah. he's aware of. But he, but he said he had interviewed someone who, and I want to say this is like, is it Indian Head? Is that a place That's on the ridge? That's a place. I think it was Indian Head where he saw... Uh, uh, the ridge, literally like a door on the ridge, open up and a UFO fly into the ridge. Nice. And that's one of my favorite little stories. That reminds me of a story from, uh, well, I don't know. I don't think it got into night visitors, but there was a story that we heard while we were at the UFO watchtower. Oh, yeah, yeah. A door opening in the mountain. I hadn't even thought of that. Same thing. San Luis Valley. It'd be, what are those mountains called? The ones that ring? San Cristo or something. San San Cristo. Yeah. Sandre Cristo. I think that's right. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. They saw saw the same thing. Mm -hmm. The theory there is that the... Mount Blanc or something, I think, is the name of the mountain. Okay. The theory there is that there's like a government base hidden in that yeah. mountain and that that's where, mm-hmm. which I mean, there are a lot of strange military base theor- theories that go on regarding the ridge as well. Interestingly, the earliest documented Bigfoot sighting is on the ridges from Indian Head. Is it? Yes. Oh yeah. 18. Yeah. We just, we just had someone tell us that story. Yeah. About how- I, well, I don't know if we can say this or not, but you know, we're getting ready to go out. That's where we're going. Oh yeah, Aha. for our our next uh, yeah night ops is in New excellent. Canada. Yeah. Um, so you want to hear something really weird? Oh God, do I? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is my first exceptionally weird case from the Ridge, Fayette County, May 1971. A motorist sees a saucer hovering about 25 feet above the ground. He estimates the object was 120 feet long and 40 feet high Uh, he pulls over to get a closer look at this thing Uh, he sees an opening in the craft inside of which is an orange red glow and he hears a humming sound and as he continues to observe the craft with its opening he starts to see what appears to be human-like figures moving around inside of the craft sort of between 
between him and the light. So they appear in silhouette form at first. Uh, one sort of steps into a clearer part of the opening. They, they have on what looks to be a metallic or silver, almost like a robe or a hooded garment. And before he knows it then, he turns his head to the side in his car and three feet away from his window is another figure wearing the same silver sort of clothing, same sort of garment item. And it shoots him. Hmm. <laughs> he hears a pop. He feels an impact. Um, he's blown against his steering wheel. And he reaches back around to his shoulder and he pulls his hand out and it's all bloody. And he's evidently been shot. He gets himself to a nearby fire department. They get him to um, the Union, uh, yeah, the Uniontown Hospital, where he's seen by a surgeon and is informed that some of the shrapnel has been removed from his shoulder, but some of it is too deep and it would damage tendons if they were to try to remove it then and there. Um, also then, taking a look at the car, there appeared to be a type of spray pattern that would be as if the car had been shot by a shotgun, uh, but from estimating about a 25-foot distance. But what the figure he saw was like just right there, like three feet away. So this is one of the first times that I've ever heard a UFO story tied into the alleged occupants of the craft shooting somebody with some type of object or gun. Is this verified? Like they, there's they, pictures of the car. Okay. Damage done to the car. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> 71, 71 Fayette County. All of the stories that I am relaying to you are from the files of Stan Gordon okay. across his books. And for anyone that's unaware, which there aren't many, but Stan Stan is one of the the preeminent researchers of the strange along along the ridge. The other big name that comes up constantly is Dr. Paul Johnson. Mm -hmm. So there's those are two like the two. They'd be your Bill Brand and Paul Bartholomew <laughs> yeah. of, of like the ridge. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's who Stan is. Yeah. And, by the way, Stan Gordon has a new book out mm -hmm. as of yesterday, March 2nd, uh, Creepy Cryptids. Did you order it? I, I, yes, I did. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's on the way to my house right now. We're in the middle of making this series, and you can't escape, um, you can't escape UFOs um, when it comes to the ridge, even if you're making a movie about or a series about big Bigfoot, it just constantly comes up. the The one interesting thing that that Stan kept bringing back around is like he's like I he kept telling me he hasn't he hasn't had many reports lately of like UFOs and Bigfoots like he did in the seventies. Mm -hmm. But what he does get a lot are reports of the tiny UFOs and Bigfoots in the same areas. Oh. And it's not necessarily that they're seen together, but they're seen in conjunction with each other, mm -hmm. either by hours or days. Like mm -hmm. they're seen in the same areas. 
And I thought that was funny. Yeah. I love the tiny UFOs. Yeah. I think that's. And when he's talking about that, is he talking about like tiny craft? Literal craft. So not light. Not not just the tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Not just like orbs or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like tiny, the tiny craft. I think one of the reports that might have even been in one of our movies was of a woman who saw one come into her house. Yeah. And that's a common, that's not the only such account he has. What does tiny mean in this instance? Like, um. Like a small drone, like one of those like, little yeah. drones that kids play with, like racing drone size, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like a little model that you put together. Yeah. Yeah. It comes in, flies in your house, kind of buzzes Aww. around your head. And Imagine then... how small the aliens are. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah. Very cute. Real cute. <laughs> so cute. It's just adorable. <laughs> we come in peace. <laughs> Earthling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no no accounts of tiny doors in the ridge opening and a tiny, tiny little tiny, tiny yeah tiny UFO right. craft going into it. But maybe and a, a three foot yeti yeah. shows up <laughs> hunting frogs. Yeah, someday. Um, I got I got nothing else. This is mostly going to be you telling us stories. All right, all Unless right. You do you no. have something? No, good. Nope. we killed it on this day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Fast forward to 1988 in the community of Salzburg. A motorist noticed a blue-red cigar-shaped object following his car. Uh, and the, the vibrancy of whatever it is brightens the more he seems to notice it. And finally, he, I guess out of curiosity, um, pulls over and as he's pulling over, his car shuts off. So it's that link between whatever power source or whatever the UFO does, sort of the electromagnetic uh, operation of that. Uh, he, the guy gets out of the car, uh, presumably to get a better look at what's following him. And as he's watching, the UFO drops and continues to get closer to him. He can make out lots of detail this is one of many cases today that we'll talk about where there appear to be windows mm-hmm. or portholes in the craft so that a person observing it can actually look in and see things happening inside. Um, in this case, as the craft approaches and gets closer to him, he begins to feel paralyzed. And so he's observing this, but he can't, he doesn't feel as though he can move. And when he's good and paralyzed, a figure starts to approach him, um, estimating around four to five feet tall. And it's not walking towards him, it's floating towards him. Um, it's surrounded by an, a colorful aura of light. It's wearing a garment. Once again, in this case, there is an insignia in the middle uh, that he didn't correlate to any known insignia on earth but it clearly had some sort of form or shape to it that meant something the hands of the figure were like claws or pinchers Uh, the face was somewhat humanoid it had uh, glowing eyes evidently and as it kept getting closer to him and he couldn't move then things get extremely strange he felt within the next moment that he was inside of a container, which as it's described, if you would imagine yourself standing inside of a large glass jar, like a Mason jar, Mm -hmm. that's what he felt that he was inside. 
And then accompanying the first figure, there were uh, five or six others just like that, that were all surrounding the container, looking in at him in a inquisitive sort of way, evidently. Is there a description of the figures? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, what, like... Beyond what I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a picture of them. They're they're um, if you imagine like a black cloaked figure yeah. with pinchered hands coming out of the sleeves. The face is sort of like a a mask like face, uh, humanoid features, but the eyes are sort of glowing. So this is the weird thing about the ridge and creatures that are seen on the ridge. There's a lot of like one offs. Right. Like, are these things ever described in any other case? I'm going to guess. No, no, not to the, no. They like seem that, very specific to this these one. sightings like two yeah. years ago. Do you remember the thing that Stan was talking to mm-hmm. us about that was like, didn't have a head? headless, yeah, the skinny headless thing. creature. Yeah. That thing was seen by like a police officer or something. Mm-hmm. That's not, that didn't yeah. come back. Like yeah. it wasn't like someone else saw that a week later or something. Mm-hmm. So I always think that's strange yeah. how many one-offs you have on the ridge. Yeah, it does seem like a, a ridgy feature mm-hmm. is that you don't see these guys over and over again. Yeah. Did they ever draw or was there an attempt made to draw the insignia out? Yes. Yeah. And there is uh, an artist rendition actually of the creature with the insignia on the chest mm. in it's Stan's Jeep book. Wave. <laughs> it's that Jeep wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, there is, that does exist. <laughs> Uh, that was the witness um, either drew it himself or commissioned it to be drawn. And after having this memory of being in that container, his next memory is he's back in the front seat of his car. Mm. So he doesn't remember any sort of how he got from point A to point B. Missing time stuff. Two hours of missing time. Nice. There's a lot of that missing time stuff on the ridge. We know that from making uh, Invasion on Chestnut Ridge and interviewing Barry Clark, mm-hmm. um, which is, if you haven't seen Invasion on Chestnut Ridge, uh, it's it's currently available on Tubi. It's available on a few different platforms currently, but it is coming to YouTube via our channel sometime later this year. The 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 other thing that I noticed is that the descriptions on the ridge you do have. I talked about this with Bigfoot during during interviews. I think because of the lore surrounding the ridge, you assume everything's like super insane and weird, like headless monsters, mm-hmm. yeah, tiny floating guys, people putting people yeah. in glass jars. Mm-hmm. But you also you also have like a lot of just mundane daylight and nighttime UFO encounters. Um, and we we have I have friends who've seen UFOs on the ridge and took photos. Um, John from, from, uh, what is it? Mystic frog. Remember I was telling you, uh, which one time we had one of his pieces in the backdrop, but he, Mm -hmm. he's, he had his own UFO sighting on the Ridge. We, we know investigators who've had sightings on the Ridge. Um, my only experience going UFO hunting on the Ridge was mostly spent like looking at, um, it it was in Kecksburg. We went with Stan, Sean and Butch Witkowski. Who's, Mm. who's passed away. Yeah. But um, we were on a property in Kecksburg where uh, a resident was claiming to have seen UFOs in the sky, but they turned out to be uh, airplanes leaving from like an airport mm. across the valley. But it's a it's not all 
completely insane. The other thing, I don't know if you're going to bring this up, but there's a connection between a lot of the phenomena that happens on the ridge and power stations and power sources just in general. But there was that, was that the Greensburg mall? Yep. During the seventies where the, the one was seen like hovering over, over a power station, like leech, was it like leech? Is that the one where it was leeching mm-hmm. power off the substation? So that's another connection too. Yeah. I'm just helping to tie all these things yeah. together for our audience. Yes. Yeah. And flip the, like the huge breakers on the, mm-hmm. the mall. Well, we were finding when we were there, um, it's kind of like how we, uh, while making American werewolves, you can't escape the, the native American burial ground stuff mm-hmm. or burial mounds. Like there's, there's not an interview in American worlds that doesn't have a connection to burial mounds. But in this one, you can't get away from the power stations. Mm. We were at Sean Dennis's house, which is like kind of a, I can't recall. There were no paranormal aspects to that, right? I don't recall anything. It was, it was kind of like a, mon, not a mundane, but it, it was a Bigfoot encounter story and they recorded some really cool sounds. Um, but up the street, like not even a mile away, right? Mm-hmm. It was like right up the street. There's a huge power substation out in the middle of nowhere, hmm. right right outside of town or not outside of town, but out of just off the ridge, like down down past Ohio Pile, mm-hmm. um, really like southern part of the ridge. But it, I thought that was really weird that even with like what is kind of a mundane Bigfoot encounter, you've got a power substation sure. like right there. Sure. Yeah. It's weird. And it keeps popping back up with every, like all the cases yeah. we looked into. Well, you know, the huge 1973 wave and like the Superior Trailer Court, one mm-hmm. of the famous stories there is that somebody came out of their trailer and, saw, and saw a Bigfoot like messing with the big power connection to their trailer. Mm-hmm. So it, there seems to be a real thread there for some reason, some connection. The uh, Kowalczyk uh, encounter too was another one that kept coming up while we were making, really while we were making our movie mostly because th- if I have a regret about invasion on Chestnut Ridge it's that we didn't really explore explore the full breadth of what mm-hmm. happened with Kowalczyk mm-hmm. and um, so I think this series will give me the chance to go back into that because okay. we have the audio interview with him but we also have the audio from later that night or the following night where he takes people back to the scene. And then has like almost like a mental breakdown Mm -hmm. and ends up running off into the night screaming. We have that on audio too, which I don't know if I think I've shared that with Mm -hmm. you at some time. Yeah. Um, And that was all given to us by Dr. Paul Johnson too. Um, But that Kowalczyk encounter, when people hear about UFOs in the Chestnut Ridge, they tend to leap to, oh, that time that the guy saw the UFO and then encountered the hairy humanoids in the, mm-hmm. in the field and shot at him. But I want to get deeper into that Kowalczyk thing. Cause sure. it, it even gets into like men in black. Right. It's got all the, yeah. the sort of tenets of the weirdness that goes on. Yeah. There's on the ridge. It's like a double twist with that story mm-hmm. at least in what might be more. Yeah. <laughs> and he's getting visions about like the end of the world. Right. And, and that's prior. I think that's prior to the, to the men in black stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot well, that's of, the night of i mean that's it? yeah okay yeah he's still in the in the dirt isn't the figure that he that he because okay so when he's given the visions mm-hmm. isn't it from a hooded figure yeah okay yes it oh, is I just thought of that mm-hmm. cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And that's, I mean, that's the Union Town, same Union Town that fi- factored into that first story, mm-hmm. the hospital. I mean, that's the thing. When you've spent time on the ridge, these, the the like contrast is so huge because these are just places mm-hmm. that are normal. Like these are little villages. Kecksburg is another example. Just this real small, humble place. But the then the contrast of the, the unique. And and ultimately, just the extreme strangeness is really, and that's one of the things that attracts me to this area. Is it's like this is just the food, hometown too. America, and the food. <laughs> the food, the mostly the food. The only thing about it that's we say on the ridge, but they're not. Most of these places aren't on the ridge. The Kecksburg's kind of on there. It's like at least further up the ridge mm-hmm. than most. But most of, most of the places kind of sit in the shadow of the ridge. Is how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean. There aren't, I don't even know, are there towns on the ridge itself? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say like the one edge or the other okay. is where you're going to find the towns. Yeah. Not like right plopped in the, like at the top of the ridge. But there are residential areas mm-hmm. that are all, that go right up the side of the hill. No, I drove, yeah, actually when I left Kecksburg, because I went out to that Mammoth Park. Mm-hmm. you know where that is? Yeah. yeah I, drove, I drove out to Mammoth Park and then I drove up the ridge um, cause I have my Jeep, so I had no mm-hmm. fear cause I was taking all these back, like these dirt roads and stuff. Yeah. So I went up the, up the ridge and ended up, um, kind of, there were, there were houses, a couple houses here and there, but I found a pull off and then this like, almost like a boulder field mm-hmm. and like I'm up at the top of the ridge and I was able to like walk around and hmm. I don't know that I've actually had an opportunity to really be like that high up on like a secluded section of the ridge out, you know taking photos of it. Mm-hmm. The other thing about the ridge that gets tricky is if you aren't looking at a map, you might not know if you're looking at the Chestnut Ridge, Laurel Hill, mm-hmm. or the Allegheny Mountains, because like they're all there's like three layers to it and they all look really similar depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. But the, and if you think about it, they're all I'm sure it's all weirdness all oh, they're, that area right. connected. Yeah, to exactly. It. I mean just looking at the place names in Stan's books. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are Laurel Ridge locations as yeah. much as they are Chestnut Ridge. Yeah. So there's there's Laurel Ridge. And that's the other thing I found out. There's Laurel Ridge, but there's also Laurel Hill, mm-hmm. which is when we're at Sarnetti's or what is that place? The market. Sarnelli's. That, oh, that, yeah. The hill is daily back, specials. Yeah. The hill is back behind that. They had really good uh, uh, pasta salad. <laughs> yeah. um, the hill. The hill behind that is big it looks like a ridge but that's what they call laurel hill mm-hmm. and then beyond that is laurel ridge and then beyond that is the allegheny mountains mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken yeah that's, that's right works. that okay. is correct all right just a geography lesson for our listeners yeah <laughs> how would you like to hear a story <laughs> about um two hunters in the woods yes okay yeah. This is relatively recent, October 2008. In Elk County, two hunters entered the woods hearing lots of coyote. And this this continues for uh, the most of the, the time of their sighting, their experience. About 150 to 200 yards across this field, they start to see two dimly glowing lights that they estimated were about baseball size 15 feet above the ground, sort of an indigo color. Uh, They walk forward, and as they approach the lights, something happens to them, and they sort of, it's almost as if they fragment. 
they go from these two orb-like lights to all of a sudden, if you imagine like 10 flashlight beams all shining out in different directions at once, the light changes in that respect. And then from the approximate area of that, uh, the flashlight effect comes a glowing human-like form, which is like a darkened, like black hole silhouette of a person. And around the edges, there's kind of a, uh, a glow. And I'm trying to see what the color, like a, doesn't really say, I think it was like also blue, like a bluish glow. The figure was between three and four feet tall. So not tall, but humanoid at least moving with some speed to the degree that they thought it looked like it was gliding, but it, it was mimicking steps, but it was moving faster than that to their perception. Uh, one witness of the two became quite shaken up by this and rea- started to react emotionally and started to do some weird, like like odd behaviors, which was kind of reminiscent of uh, some of the Uniontown stuff. Yeah. But and not not quite as bad or um, quite as affected. But he started to whistle really loudly, almost to like prove how unshaken he was, and that seemed to get the attention of this figure. Because as soon as he started the whistling, the figure stopped in the field and looked at both of them, like turned in their direction, and just faded from their sight. It wasn't like immediately poof, it was gone, but it's like you turned, you faded, a, faded down and it went out and it was gone. They went back, I think within a couple hours to see if there's any physical, physical evidence left over from that. And there wasn't, there's just nothing to indicate anything about what they had seen. So that's probably the least UFO-y of the reports that I have, but it does have the, it starts with those orbs which is a, a common, not you know, it's fairly common on the ridge if you're reporting some sort of airborne object that it will be a light or an orb. What's the encounter? You've told me about this, but then Stan just told us the story the other night. I can't remember the details of it, but it, it involves a UFO. I think it involves a UFO being seen on, on a road and then going overhead. And then moments later, all the animals in oh, the yeah. area start freaking out, mm-hmm. coming out. Running out of the woods. Do yeah, you know the story. I do. Okay, do you, yeah. Hold it on the show. I know. I know we have, <laughs> but let's. It's a let's, good one. Twice. Yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah, I mean it's a fairly low level sighting, like just at the treetops. Yeah, and the uh, witness has a very detailed diagram. I mean, they saw it for so long mm-hmm. that all these details could be noticed. And there was, I think, times where there was a solid white light associated with it maybe that was shining down into the woods and then you have red and green alternating patterns of lights on these large globey sort of lights around the perimeter of the object it was i think it was silent as, as the you know, they had their windows rolled down they're kind of tracking this thing mm. and then as he's mentioned at a certain point this wave of animals comes out from the woods and uh, looking you know perplexed and kind of stunned and the Wolverine. Yeah, that's oh, okay. that's the one where that really was the most bizarre is that the in the first group of animals it was all stuff that you would expect to see if it were 
being chased out of the woods and deer and so forth. But the one that was so remarkable was a wolverine just Mm -hmm. waddles out across the road. And they double checked on that with like a state uh, DNR or, or, you know, someone with the wildlife. And they said, those aren't, those haven't been native to Pennsylvania for a long, long time. So the, the question then becomes, you know, <laughs> what, where did the animals, were they native animals that came out or, or were they released or what was the deal? But um, yeah, that's, and that, that's relatively recent. That's like 2020 or 21, mm-hmm. isn't it? And 19 yeah. at the oldest. No, I think it's 2020 because it, we had talked about it during the Ridge, the UFO mm-hmm. episode of the Ridge. The other, um, do you, are you aware of, because uh, we we kept hearing about this while we were filming uh, shape shifting Bigfoot stuff. Are you aware of like form shifting UFO stories? Mm, not especially. Okay, no. I'd be curious to see if I could get Stan to mm-hmm. recount any of those if he has any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. Maybe it's one that I wrote down. Oh yeah, there's one. We'll talk about in a minute, but it changes color mm-hmm. based on the, the rate of speed at which it's traveling, which oh, I thought cool. was kind of cool. Yeah. It's almost cinematic yeah. in detail, you know, like it, it picks up speed, turns red and then it's gone like across the sky. Tell us about that. One, okay. Mark. Uh, this is, <laughs> this takes us back to the sixties. So this is 1968 uh, in the little, little Berg of mutual. Hmm. Uh, and this is this is wild because there's so many parts to this. But uh, a Navy veteran who had done significant work on on uh, mutual. Why does it, something came up with mutual while we were there? Really? It's over by Kecksburg, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of heading toward Kecksburg. I think so. Yeah. S- something happened with Ke- something. Okay. There was something else with mutual. Yeah. That came up. Okay. So a, a Navy veteran with a great deal of experience um, with in his, his service with um, craft, mm. looks out of his his kitchen window, I think it is, and he sees like a metallic gray bar and it's sort of passing by. And he's like, well, that's extremely odd. So he goes, he approaches the window more closely and the rod is one of three that are attached to a larger object and it's rotating. So what he saw the first time was like the bar kind mm-hmm. of making its revolution going past the window and it's hovering over a pond on his property. So he uh, goes, I, I think his wife is nearby and he calls out to her to come look and she comes and sees what he's seeing. Uh, a more detailed description of the object is it's an oval shaped craft with a dome top and it's, they think that's a grayish in color. Later on, he made the comment that he had the feeling that it was something ancient. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's based on necessarily, mm-hmm. but rather than it being like, I don't know, shiny and new or something, he just got a feeling of it that it was something that's been around for a oh, long time. I like that. Yeah. I like that detail. So across the middle of this thing, is sort of a, a modern feature is it like a catwalk because it looks like a little fence area with a door behind it. Uh, like the other craft that we've talked about so far today, there were port, portholes and windows 
in which he could see like an instrument panel behind it and then a shadow moving back and forth like someone or something was inside. Uh, while he and his wife are standing there looking, I think they go outside at this point to get a better look, um, something comes out of the door in the craft and is standing at the catwalk and actually like shields its eyes to look directly at him. Which got his attention, obviously. And then another figure comes out of that same door and appears to communicate with it, like have something to tell it or something to say. And in the time, I think, between where he went out to watch and his wife came out to join him, she evidently contacted his brother and his brother's wife because they came specifically to come see if they could see the same object, and they did. Uh, By the time they got there, it was higher up, and it was very slowly ascending into the sky. But all four of them saw enough of the detail. They all agree. It's gray. There's the catwalk. There's windows. Underneath it, there was kind of a hollow opening, and into that they could see um, some type of color changes happening. And then finally, they're all watching it, as it's really starting to get out of view, that's when it moves across the sky, turns a red color and like hits hyperspace, essentially that idea that it's a streak and then it's gone. So that was, that was their sighting. And, um, you know, the brothers, I guess the two brothers got somewhat interested in the UFO subject after that. They didn't really do like investigation or anything, but, they wanted to be kept in the loop if there was anything sighted in that immediate vicinity that they could correspond to. Were you purposefully looking for encounters that involved like figures? Yes. Okay. Yes, I was. <laughs> okay. It had to have a craft and it had to have a figure or some sort of interaction. Yeah. With, yeah. Interesting. That's a lot of those stories have figures. Mm-hmm. There's the, um, the flying iPad in the sky. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about that. Um, a lot of Stan's favorite stories, the ones he'll recount to us over and over involves, um, obviously we talked about power sources and stuff like that, but, uh, vehicles being shut off by Mm -hmm. the, by the craft, but that's actually really common just in general with with UFO encounters. Right. But I I don't know where I was going. (laughs) There you go. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, and, and so many of these that we've talked about and and what you just said, there's an interaction between, Mm -hmm whatever is being seen and the, the witness. It's not just like a, a passive observation of something in the sky. Oh, isn't that interesting? It like interacts with you. It, it has some sort of effect on either you or your immediate surroundings. And that's, that's probably the most unsettling piece of these is that it's, it's trying to, I don't know, there's some connection that's being created there. The ridge is weird. Did you, was this your first time going? It was my first time there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what was your read on it? Did you think it was a strange place? Or any, like... Did I think it was a strange place? I don't, well, I don't know how to put it, because you hear, you gotta watch, because, like, people always tell me, oh, man, Point Pleasant, when you get there, it's gonna creep you out. I mean, I've never had any... I just like it. But I think, like, people tell you this stuff, and you can build up, or you can hear the stories, you can mm-hmm. build up, like, this mystique in your head for a place, and then when you get there, it's just what you've already imagined 
manifesting itself. But the ridge is weird because I when we shot Invasion, we had already been there. We had done a little bit of B-roll. Brandon and I had gone there. My first time there with Brandon, Brandon and I got lost outside of Ohio Pile and ended up driving around, had no clue where we were. We didn't have reception, so we couldn't drive. So we, we came up with this uh, uh, motto that we would only take lefts. We, couldn't find else. we just kept taking lefts, and eventually it worked. We worked our way out. But my first experience of being on the ridge was being horribly lost after dark on these mm. back dirt roads with Brandon, and being like, "This place is creepy." And then it only got creepier, not creepier, but like it just there is a weird vibe to the place, and I don't know how to quantify that or speak about it without it sounding goofy. Yeah. But it's true. Like where we stayed at, the farmhouse we stayed mm. at when we when we made invasion, it just felt weird. And then Zach wakes up in the middle of the night while we're, while we're staying there because he had some nightmare that like an old woman was standing outside the, I'm not even going to get into that. right now. The, <laughs> the whole, there's a weird vibe to it. Did you pick up on anything? I didn't not okay. this time, but also when we were there, it was a lot of go, go, go. And we weren't out a lot. No. So I didn't get to experience the area mm. like physically outside much except the night ops. And by that point we're still doing other things. So yeah. I haven't had a chance to explore it yet. That's true. Well, you'll have opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to wrap up with here? No, that's, I mean, that's it. As far as um, cases that I have to mm -hmm. report here, I think um, what's so wild is the great variety in the objects that are spotted. Yeah. And we've touched on that to a certain degree, but everything from the flying iPad in the sky, a uh, 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 description that's often used of UFOs on the ridge is of Christmas ornaments or yeah. Christmas lights. Yeah. We interviewed a guy. Yeah. And uh, another one that gets brought up that to me seems unique to the ridge. I don't hear, I haven't heard about this in really many other locations except uh, like you into basin is like a uh, RV shape or like a uh, train. Um, just like your basic, what do you call that? Box car. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. A box car of a train. So like a, a rectangular big, just object, but it's floating through the air. Huh. So it's, it, it's just not uniform. I guess that's the thing that, you know, to circle back to some of the stuff we were saying originally with mm. the, the creatures or the occupants of these craft, just like they are sort of unique to the situation. Some of these craft are as well. It's not just your humdrum, you know, silver saucer. It's, there's all sorts. They, those are seen too, but you've got all across the cigar shaped and the domes and, and things you wouldn't expect to be airworthy to <laughs> stay up there. The um, <clears throat> Case Files has at least one episode about UFOs on the Chestnut Ridge. Yeah. And then there's also Andy edited uh, uh, Case Files about Kecksburg this year. Mm -hmm. What's that? I was counting them as one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's at least two episodes of Case Files mm -hmm. that, that are all about UFOs on the ridge. So check those out. Yeah. And... Um, and check out uh, Sasquatch Unearthed. We're not sure yet when episodes are going to start dropping, but I'm thinking late April is when uh, that's what I'm hoping for. So we'll see. Late next month, hopefully, episode one will come out. 
So, all right, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Send us mail, monstropolismail at gmail.com so Andy cannot let Mark uh, read it on the show. And, uh, <laughs> wow. I'm and, sorry, Andy. Thanks for uh, <laughs> listening and watching, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you.